Welcome to Gossip Pro, the show where we break the silence and unmask the professional world. I'm your host, AC. And I'm her partner in crime, Chase. So tune in, learn and evolve. And sidestep those professional pitfalls. So Chase, we're going to be talking about job descriptions today. Yes. Well, you love job descriptions. I do, actually. Really? <laughs> I love job descriptions. And why is that? Because it's something that you said to me a very long time ago. And you probably don't remember, but it resonated with me. You said that job descriptions are a pinnacle point for companies to, to set a good example with the talent that they're trying to procure. And that's just resonated and I've always agreed with it. And whenever I've sort of constructed a job description myself, when I was looking to recruit, I've always kept that in mind. Like I want to be direct and I want to share exactly what the expectations are. And I want to make sure that certain things like the process of the recruitment are extremely clear. So I don't know if you remember when you said that to me about eight years ago. It's been that long. It has, yeah. <laughs> I probably said that because I've looked at job descriptions before and then obviously I didn't know what the key buzzwords or key things were in the job description to identify. And I've gone in there and it's turned out to be something completely different. So was it almost like you felt like you've been duped by the company because of the way they constructed the description itself? Yeah, I think they've used these buzzwords in there where you're thinking, oh, it's going to be... Um, learn loads of things it's going to be a lot of variety it's going to really push me there's going to be career development and progression and then when you get there it is not like that it's the complete opposite so then you've got to adapt but you're like if I just knew that from the get-go I wouldn't have wasted my time and it's the experience at the end of the day isn't it because mm. we've been in that position where we've applied to many different jobs over the years we've built that experience and that understanding for those buzzwords those puff pieces and uh that's why we're here, right? We're mm -hmm. here to share that knowledge. Yeah, and so we're going to look very closely at the structure of job description. So we're going to focus on length at the moment, whether it's too short or is it too long? I mean, what's your experience being with shorter job description, Chase? I haven't had much dealings with shorter job descriptions, but immediately if I saw something that was a fraction of the expected job description of usually, which is about a page and a half, a shorter version of that would be, what, a quarter of a page? I would mm. be like, do they even know what they're looking for? I've actually seen it for like less than 250 words. And I've been a bit like, what was this? Like someone just wrote it while they're on the bus or something. Because I'm like, it's that short. Like, do you not know what the roles and responsibilities are? Key questions that you would be asking yourself or wanting to know, it's not in there. And that's when I think, yeah, not worth it. You don't know what you want. And I agree with that. If the individual or the company hasn't taken the time to make sure that the job description itself fully explains what the expectations are, then it's a rush to job or they don't know what they're looking for. And both of those are extremely concerning to me. Now, on the flip side, the longer job descriptions, what do you think about that? I mean, I've had experience with that. I've actually worked for a company that had one of the longest job descriptions I've ever seen. Go and tell us how, how long was it? It was about three pages. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? I mean, I read it 
The reason why I did actually go for the job was because the way they pitched the company, I just saw a lot of potential in it. And I am someone who goes for potential. Like, can I grow that company? And that's why I went for that job. I didn't really care about how long the job spec was. However, when I got into the role, I was like, okay, you guys literally threw the whole kitchen sink to this because you guys were trying to protect yourselves from a HR perspective. My role, from what it was spoken about in the interview to what it actually was and how it grew over the years was like two or three people's jobs. And that is the biggest concern, isn't it? Yeah. When they literally do fill up the job description with everything but the kitchen sink, then you're wondering to yourself, are they doing this on purpose because they might use this as a reference point during my probation period if they want to fail me and they want to get rid of me? It's like a get out of jail free card for the company. And that would concern me immediately. And I've actually seen it when we've recruited as well for the lower end roles. They've still done the same thing, which was a long page. And I've read it and I'm like, is that really relevant? Because they're never going to deal with that area. They're like, oh, no, we should just leave it in just in case. I'm like, Mm. okay. Yeah, so it's definitely one to consider when you look at job descriptions. Now, you can get the flip side to that. We're not here to just talk about the rule. There are exceptions and exceptions are usually with the companies that stay true to their word. And they might be trying to capture every single element that they expect within the job role itself. I remember it was about probably half a decade ago, I was tasked with writing a job description for a position that I was about to leave and they wanted to recruit for it. But they themselves, funnily enough, didn't know what I what I did. It was just mainly like, oh, can you write a job description for your role that we can use to advertise? And I thought, why the hell not? <laughs> so I did. And I came back to them and it was three pages long. No, it wasn't. It, it was. Well, <laughs> the, the responsibilities bit was about a page and a half. And they looked at it and they said, what the hell is this? And I was like, you asked me to write a job description for what I do. This is what I do. And they literally said, no one will apply for this position. And I thought to myself at that moment, you cheeky bastards. I've been doing this for how long? And now you're looking at the position and saying, I don't think anyone would want to work in this position. But why the fuck do you think I'm leaving? (laughs) So yeah, there are flip sides to both elements. So another thing to look out for is how long has that job been advertised for? Very true. My general rule of thumb is two months on. I don't apply. I'm not interested because... If you haven't recruited the right person within the two months of the job itself being advertised, then either the position itself hasn't been signed off from a senior level and they're just testing the market to see what the talent's like out there. Sometimes what they also do is they actually use that interview stage to come up with what the job description itself should have and what the role itself should be. I don't know if you've ever come across that. Like a test and learn. Yeah. Yeah. I've come across something like that before and I thought to myself, you cheeky buggers. So my rule of thumb is two months and above, I've got some concerns. I mean, what I've seen in the past is when a department's so busy, so HR has advertised the role, but the department head is so busy they haven't had a chance to look at the CV, which to me indicates this team is under-resourced and they don't even have time to go through the recruitment process. That to me is also alarm bells. I agree. There's also a secondary consideration to that which is what you're telling people is that the position is not important enough. So it's downgraded in its prioritization. Would you want to work for a company that's deprioritized your role before you even get there? Really? Food for thought. Yeah. What about application deadline? Because not every company puts an application deadline or even talks about the process. I like seeing application deadlines because I immediately think to myself, 
there's a clean cut process to this. When there's no deadline at all and it's open-ended, my biggest concern is how long is the process going to take? Have they genuinely thought about what the next stages are? Because sometimes you get hit with that wild card where they tell you it's a two-step process that turns into a three, four-step process. There's also, and this is mainly for jobs that are advertised within the service industry, is when a company is heavily focused on acquisition versus retention because they've got so many people walking out the door that they're like, DEFCON 1, open the doors wide open, let's get as many people in as possible because we need to ensure that we've got the right amount of people working for us based on the amount of contracted services we have. That in itself is a red flag. Because when they're focused heavily on acquisition, then they've more than likely already have toxic working practices within the environment. Would you really want to go and dive in headfirst into that? Not really. I mean, what's your thoughts around that? If I saw a role that was always advertised, I'd be thinking, okay, either they're opening a new department and they need more people in that department, or they've got a high turnover rate, which means a lot of unsatisfied employees. The other thing I would be thinking about is if that role keeps getting advertised each year, which I actually have seen this happen, and I'm like... That's weird. Every 12 months, you're recruiting for the same position with the same job description. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not applying for that. That's alarm bells in my head. What's the first thing, like when you see that, what does that tell you immediately about the company? Toxic workplace, really bad management, not a place I want to be. Exactly. And one additional thing I would add to that is it's a company that is so ignorant that they refuse to learn from their mistakes. Because if they're using the same job description and you've got a high turnover, then it's probably not the right job description to have because what you're requesting does not match up. So moving on to language using descript job descriptions. I think this one's an interesting one. We're going to focus on a family. Please don't. Yeah. A lot of companies use this. I so, so, so dislike the use of we're a family. Why is that? It's not the right phrase to use when it comes to the professional world. You're not a family. You're a professional team that's been put together and selected and paid to deliver a service that hits set company objectives and goals. If I die tomorrow and I work for you, you'll be advertising to get someone in to fill my position straight away. If I die tomorrow with my family, they'll be mourning me. Well, some of them will be mourning me. Others might be like, Yippee! <laughs> Thank God the prick is gone. But you never know, right? Yeah. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? I agree. I think the reason why companies put in we're a family is because they want to send a certain message to the candidate. And I think it's because they want to tell people, you know, we like each other. We're really close. We as a company are very supportive and we're more like friends than we are colleagues. They want you to feel like you can be yourself, which I think a lot of people want to feel like that at work. So to say we're a family can be seen like a positive. If I saw that maybe quite a few years back, I would have seen that as a positive. I'd be like, yeah, they're going to welcome me. It's going to be really, really nice. But actually, there's a bit of a risk with using that because actually, like you said, if you were to die tomorrow, just kind of like another number, which is really sad to say. But yeah, they're going to move on. It's unfair on the individuals that you're recruiting when you're using buzzwords like that. If the company or the manager had to put themselves before you, they're going to choose themselves. They're not going to think, oh, you're my family member. I can't get rid of you. No, they're going to be thinking, how do I save myself? And actually those family values just go out the window. 
the loyalty yeah. is transactional to a certain extent. There was a video actually I came across from Zanios on TikTok. I want you to watch it because we're going to discuss this. We'll ignore all of your personal boundaries. We'll make unreasonable requests of you. And when you finally get fed up and complain about it, we'll gaslight you into thinking you're not a team player and you're the problem. So what are your thoughts on that? I would agree with all the points that's been raised there. Because one of the psychological implications with the use of the word family is that you immediately trigger the act of reciprocity in the individuals that are joining your team. Because with family, it's almost like you always want to do something for them because in return, what you're getting is that loyalty and that acceptance. So I feel like as a company, you've already gifted me that. So, hey, I will always over deliver on things to you and I will pretty much accept everything that you ask of me. Problem with that is when I realize several months down the line that it's not reciprocated, you are going to lose someone talented because you chose to use the wrong word, a buzzword. A word that you've cheapened because you wanted to attract the individuals in. Not because you genuinely made a change in your environment in itself. Now there is an exception. There are companies out there that focus heavily on making the environment a supportive one. Making colleagues respect and care for one another. But they do it through policies and procedures. And when they put it in their job description, they will highlight that we have a supportive environment. We have X amount allocated to training. We have this, that and the other. I mean, what's your thoughts on it? I mean, I've experienced it. And I got into this mentality of, oh, we are a family. We're really close. I need to look after my team. I need to look after every single one here and everyone around me. There came a point where I realized that we're not a family. And that in itself is disappointing. Now there was a, and this is, I think this is a really great point that Kevin on Twitter makes. He said, if an employer says we're like a family here, what they mean is they're going to ruin you psychologically. Absolutely. And because family connections is such an emotional thing, you're going away from transactional stuff now, you're going to the emotional side. When someone breaks that trust, when something happens in the workplace that breaks that relationship, then yes, psychologically, that person is going to be hurt and damaged. And I know from working at that place, a lot of people had to go into therapy because they were using those types of phrases and making them feel a certain way and then breaking promises and making them not feel supported and valued in the company. That was the end product. So I think it's very risky for people to be using those types of terms. Instead, replace that with, we have a supportive working environment through adapted policies and procedures. We have a growth support system through allocated budget. Explain to the individuals why your environment is like that. Don't claim to be something, because if you get found out that you're not, they'll be leaving. And through word of mouth, I guarantee you, people will be saying that company is shite. But you kind of want to avoid they are a fraud. They're emotional manipulators. So shall we move on to red flag number two? Fast-paced environment. I mean, have you ever been a sucker for that word? When I first started, I was a sucker for all the buzzwords. Eventually, over the years with maturity and with the growth of experience, looking at certain buzzwords, I can immediately tell fast-paced environment means be prepared to be extremely busy, in an environment that's probably understaffed and maybe keep your phone on even when you're outside of work because you'll probably get some phone calls coming in saying can you please pick this up or can you please help us with this that and the other 
Yeah, I agree. I think it's I think it's a business that's under resourced. Probably can't make decisions fast enough. They've got big targets to hit. Um, and you're probably not going to get much training because it is very fast paced. People won't have time to onboard you properly. Now, there's a video from here from Braxton on TikTok and we'll see what he thinks. Work environment doesn't really mean that they move quickly. What it really means is that they're terrible with planning and communication. And so everything is always last minute, resulting in you having to work at a fast pace because you're already bumped up against your deadline and you just started because you barely got the information for the project. Anyone out there that thinks this sounds familiar? What do you think about that? Now I'm going to touch on two points here. Some companies use the phrase fast-paced environment correctly because what they're trying to do is they're trying to let you know as an applicant that it genuinely is extremely busy at this company. They don't want to lie to you because they're sick and tired of having to go through the recruitment process. So they want you to know it is going to be extremely fast-paced. Now, I read an article not long ago. Fast in itself is actually a buzzword utilized by most companies because they want to prevent the older generation from applying for the position because when it's fast paced it usually goes against what they would like to sort of get involved in and it was a very interesting article it's a shame but i understand why they may be doing it as well because like you said if they recruit the wrong person and they get shock they get there and it's too fast you've got to start the recruitment process again i don't know yeah exactly you want them to know what they're walking into but if you're using it for that one specific reason then that in itself is not right so what we're trying to say here is if you see the word fast-paced environment or and i'm going to use some other phrases that get used hit the ground running self-starter fast learner i wouldn't let that deter you from applying for the role if that's what you're looking for I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think you just need to bear in mind when they say those words, they genuinely mean it is going to be fast paced and you must be able to be a fast learner. Otherwise, you might end up leaving that company sooner than you think because you will not pass your probation. So when you see those words, really think about, is this the right company for me? Absolutely. Specifically, you know, the one about wearing different hats. Usually I've seen that in companies that have just run a cost saving exercise. So what they've done is they've actually built a hybrid position where they want you now all of a sudden or that role to do two or three people's jobs. Mm. They haven't financially um, reviewed the position. No, they've actually looked to save costs. So interesting that you mentioned the multiple hats thing because we're actually jumping into that now as a, as a red flag. Nice. Yeah, so wearing multiple hats, flexible and can deal with changing priorities is also a red flag to be aware of. Obviously, if it is something you're looking for, go for it. But, you know, be conscious that these, this is what it means. So I'm going to share what Daniela's uh, take on this is. Must be able to wear multiple hats or handle multiple competing priorities. You have no strategic direction or leadership and nothing's a priority because everything's a priority. I would agree with everything she said there. You have to be the, the jack of all trades. Yeah. That's what it basically means. Some people like that. Some people don't. Some companies, when they say this phrase, they're actually looking for someone who's a problem solver, who's happy to sort of dive into different positions as well. And they're not doing it in a negative way. What they're saying is, we're quite happy to have someone who's very fluid. That works for some people. I love stuff like that. Like for me, it works for me. I love jumping from, say, projects to HR activities, to operational stuff, to financial stuff. I actually enjoy going from department to department because it works for me. Mm. 
And essentially, everything that we're discussing here comes back down to that one fundamental thing, isn't it? Does it work for you? And be wary of these red flags that we're highlighting so you can investigate further. I mean, for me, wearing multiple hats has always been appealing because like you, I like variety. I like to dip into several things and I love projects. The other thing is dealing with changing priorities. Obviously, I work in marketing, so it's always changing. So when they say that, it means... That yes, you might be thinking you're working on a project and it's going to get delivered on X date, but actually it's probably going to change because someone's going to see and be like, oh no, we need to make these changes because of these new insights. It's all going to change and you need to be comfortable to not get upset about it and not take it personal and just be like, okay, right, I'm going to adapt and not change my attitude and be positive and just get the job done. Oh, agreed. So moving on, roles and responsibilities. The core area. So when companies make false promises, this really annoys me. So when they say stuff in job descriptions like natural career progression or you're going to get to build out your own department. I mean, I've seen so many roles and I've actually gone for roles where they've said, oh, you can build out your own team and you can do X, Y, Z and you're going to have a budget and then you get there. That is not the case. Or sometimes, you know, flip side in defense of the companies, they've actually created that position with that being 100% their intention. But then something's happened where they've had to deprioritize that. Not everyone does it in a malicious way, mm -hmm. but I do believe that most do, like you said attract people in to say hey your opinions really matter so we're going to utilize that so you can build your own apartment uh department apartment let's go <laughs> no department right i don't want to also be in a position where the companies are left high and dry because i do know some of them really do go in with that intention it's just unfortunately something else takes takes precedent yeah which is sad because that person is going in with the mindset of like yes I'm going to grow something, I'm going to do something. And then you get told literally within weeks, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure we'll do that in the next 12 to 18 months. And you're like, I swear in the interview you said this was going to be a priority. Now you've changed your mind. And I've seen that happen. That's different, isn't it? Because yeah. that's getting verbal confirmation that it's going to happen within a short period of time. That means it must be signed off. There's allocated budget already for it. Mm. If that rapidly changes, then that means, no, it was cheap salesman tactic to get you in. So if that happens, technically they've lied to you already. Do you really want to stick around longer than you have to? This is an underhanded thing that a lot of companies do, which is let's get them in, get them through the door, get them to sign the contract. We can control the environment, right? If it doesn't work out. After the probation period, we can get rid of them. But more than likely, they wouldn't want to leave. Why? Because it'll look bad on their resume. So it's a win-win situation for us. This is why it is absolutely essential for you to do your due diligence before you ever accept a position with a company. They are putting all their bets on you getting excited, overstimulated emotionally to just turn around and say, I accept, I accept, where do I sign? Take it all. Don't do that. Take your time, review it, read your contract, investigate. If on LinkedIn you have connections that have worked for this company or worked for the individual that's going to be a line manager or the director in that company, reach out to them. If they're not working for that company any longer, why? Do your due diligence. Yeah, because you don't want to waste time. Absolutely not. Another thing to consider is when the responsibilities do not match the role or the job title. All that says to me is, once again, 
coming back to what we said earlier, right? Different hat. You're just putting that into the responsibilities. You're hiring me to say, do a mid-level manager's position, but you're also giving me the responsibilities of a senior level manager's position, but there's no senior level manager. It's almost this bypass to say a head of or a director role. What you're doing is you're saving money. You've just forced me to take on additional responsibilities, yet somehow the salary hasn't changed or the salary is of market value of what that position should be. One thing I have come across many times as well is, say if you're recruiting for a, a marketing exec role. Yeah. And I read the job description recently. So I wanted to see if they're still doing this. And it was very highly targeted towards a designer. So you need to design this. You need to be able to use Adobe. You need to use this, this, this. And I was like, I know you, they're going to do some marketing elements I can see in the job spec, but it is very focused on a designer. So I'm like, so you're trying to put two jobs in one but you're, you're naming it as a marketing exec. That's not a marketing job. Yes, there's elements of it, but that's more a designer role. Yeah, so essentially what they're doing is they're trying to save money yeah. by taking two positions, making it into one. Just out of curiosity, the salary on it, did it match up with what a marketing executive gets or did it match up with, say, a hybrid job that does both positions so it's slightly inflated? I think it was lower than what it should have been. It's just, you know, it's it's not right. And it's stuff like this. This is why we're doing this, to expose things like this, because it's not right. If you want someone to do two people's jobs, then pay them for it. Because at the end of the day, you get what you pay for. The same way if you're a business and you're offering services out or you're providing people with a product and you assign a cost to that and your sales pitches, well, you get what you pay for. Yeah, it's the same for you when you're hiring people. Don't forget that. Almost felt like a teacher there. I know, I was like, Telling Whoa. someone, don't forget that. <laughs> um, moving on to qualification skills and experience. What I don't enjoy seeing is when companies are requesting unnecessary higher education qualifications or they are asking for a specific like red brick university when that role doesn't really require that kind of qualification. They can't just do it with a degree. You're talking about if someone's advertising for a or a low-level management position, let's say, and they're putting it up at 30, 30 to 35,000, and they're saying, oh, we want someone with a master's degree. You are absolutely delusional. In fact, who signed off on that job description being used for you to recruit someone? Because whoever signed off on that is absolutely delusional as well. Don't sit there and ask for someone with a degree that's worth more than a salary you want to pay for it. I think asking for specific types of masters or higher education, like further higher education, is only relevant if that role actually requires it. Yeah. If it doesn't, then a degree should be okay. Like a first or a two one, I think is more than acceptable. But even then, I don't really care about what they got from a degree perspective. I actually care about the experience that they have. Because I've been to university and I learned a lot, but I actually learned way more working. Yeah. And on, on the, the job training is way better. And on the flip side of that, I haven't gone to university and I worked my way up from the ground and I got my qualifications at a later date because I built my experience first and foremost. In my experience, I'll tell you one thing. The person who ended up earning a 2-2 over a first ended up working twice as hard and proved themselves in half the time. So this is another thing to consider. If you've got someone who's good at examinations, they got a first and everything, that's great for them, fantastic. They applied themselves. But people grow. So if you've got someone who didn't apply themselves and they didn't get that first, doesn't mean you shouldn't give them an, an opportunity because 
It's at the interview stage when you truly see if there's someone who is dedicated, who wants to learn, who's hungry. So another area to think about is where, and this really annoys me, entry-level roles asking people for five years experience. How is that an entry-level role when you're asking for X amount of experience? A, I feel really bad for anyone who's trying to get into an entry-level position because they're never going to get that role. And B, you're trying to get someone with loads of experience and you want to pay them less. The weird thing about this is a lot of companies have started doing this. Mm. How does that even remotely make sense? At the same time, the message that they're conveying is we're asking for you to have prior experience because A, we want to learn from you, which could be a good thing and a bad thing. But B, more than likely, we don't have an allocated training budget. So we kind of want you to already know what you're going to do so you can just come in and get on with it. It also shows that if they're not, I guess the team is not geared up to train someone brand new or they don't have the trust to train someone brand new. So again, alarm bells for me, it's like you don't have the trust and you don't have the resources to train someone. So you want to bring in someone with experience, but you don't want to pay them that much. But a lot of companies who don't respect marketing will pay them less because it's not a focus for the business. So they expect all the experience, but they want to pay you less. Yeah, marketing's always been... It's a funny one. Yeah. Unfortunately, I feel like it's it's the disliked distant cousin in businesses. What do you mean? <laughs> no, I'm just I, I don't mean I, know, it, I, know I don't mean, mean it in yeah. a, in a in a rude yeah. way because what marketing does, I think is underrated. It actually requires so much work to be done the right way. I don't think you guys are applauded enough because there's a lot of Data analysis that goes into that, data conversion into intelligence, intelligence into strategies. Those strategies determine whether a business is successful or not. A lot of people miss those key insights when it comes to marketing. I think me and the marketing community will take that. Thank you very much. Oh, you're very much welcome. But well, coming back to the point that you yeah. said, when you looked at that role, how much were they paying? Below what they should be getting. So it's below market value, yeah, yeah they're asking for five years experience. Then. Doesn't make sense doesn't make sense at all. To me, what that highlights is that that company does not value that department. Yeah. And so if there was changes in that company, that department would be the first one to go because they don't value it. So moving on to our last area, which is salary and benefit. Probably the most important area yes. when it comes to descriptions. I'm going to share a video from expert interviewers and then we'll talk about it in more detail. Can you tell me about the salary range? We do offer a very competitive salary, meaning that you'll be competing with whoever's willing to work for less. I mean, what do you think about that? One of my biggest bugbearers is any job ad that says competitive salary. In fact, I think you shouldn't even be allowed to put a job ad out that says competitive salary. And on top of that, I've seen other stuff like salary negotiable. That also pisses me off. Again, it's like, am I your budget controller? Yeah that you're telling me that the salary is negotiable, you haven't even given me a starting point. Tell me how much you've allocated in your budget for my salary. Don't sit there and tell me that my salary is negotiable because I'm going to come in straight off the bat with six figures. Negotiate that, asshole. <laughs> but don't tell me my salary is negotiable. Don't tell me it's a competitive salary because it's just bullshit. What you're telling me is, A, it's either a new role and you haven't done enough research to understand how much you should be paying for this role, or B, you're going to try and get as low of a salary as possible for me, which already tells me you don't value the position you're recruiting for. 
I think I want to add to that point, actually. I think there's another reason why people don't put salaries as well is because they don't want current staff members seeing what that person's going to get. It's because everyone in the company is getting paid less, so they don't want to expose themselves to a situation. And that is hitting the nail on the head as well. Very true. If there's a lack of transparency, there's probably a lot of discriminatory behavior already taking place when it comes to pay structures within that company. So it's like you said, it's like the Jahari window, right? Isn't it? Like what I know, you don't know. What you know, I don't know. What they know, we yeah, might know, yeah. and etc. So they're playing with that. Again, manipulating instead of being transparent, instead of being fair, instead of having good working practices, why on earth would you want to work for a company like that? Agreed. What I would advise is that any position that says competitive salary or salary negotiable, bypass it. Do not apply for it. It's not worth it. Because if they're stupid enough to put that in their advertisement in this day and age, they don't deserve to have any talented people working for them. And if you do go for it, then I think I would suggest in the interview process, and I wouldn't do this at the beginning, maybe near the end, is say, the interviewer, I've noticed you've said the salary is competitive. I'm interviewing for similar roles. What is a salary average so I can see how competitive it is? Now, if the person gets funny with you, then again, that confirms that this company is not right for you. But if they come back in a positive way, then you're like, okay, it might be okay. Mm. So you're talking more about reverse psychology yeah. when it comes to the negotiation. Yeah. Now, for, for most people out there who aren't well-versed in negotiating, a good place to end in a negotiation is when neither side feels like they've won. That's a good middle point. But do you really want to put yourself through that? I mean, I've been in situations where I've said what I want and recruiters have said to me, oh, no, just accept this, which is exactly the same salary you have. And I'm like, whose side are you on? I'm not asking for way more, but you're now not going to ask the employer for what I actually deserve to be paid. And I hate that situation. The other thing I want to touch on is when they have this approximate salary. So they go circa X amount or they have the salary bracket. So I, I don't know, like between 30 and 40K. Do you, know, do you know what really grinds my gears about that? Mm. Is you're telling me it's between 30 to 40K, right? So you've got a bracket of 10,000 pounds. And you're not telling me what method are you using to determine how much I'm going to be paid. And if mm -hmm. you're going to go off experience, I want to know what is the metrics being used? Like if I've got two years of experience, is it 25% of that 10K difference up to say the eight year experience mark or et cetera? I want to know what is the metrics and who's determining it? Because if you're determining it as the person who's recruiting me, then you're going to be using a lot of biases specifically if you report directly to someone who controls the budget. Again, why on earth is there such a big difference as well? I would personally just put in, this is how much we're paying. I agree with that. I hate it when there's that gap because then you've got to fight for it. And then when you do get what you want, then you feel indebted to them. Yeah. And it's just, it's just an awkward and horrible way to start a relationship with a new company because you then feel bad for asking for more. And so it's just really awkward. It comes, like it. it comes back to what we were saying earlier, the psychological warfare of the act of reciprocity that's being used with, say, the buzzword family. It's the same situation right now with, oh, we'll give you an extra two or two and a half on top of that. And it's like, what do you mean you give me? But to an inexperienced person, they're going to feel indebted. Mm. Don't allow yourself to be in that position. Agree. Sorry, I was going to jump in there also about the circle one. Don't put there circa 70,000. 
circa 80,000, circa 40,000. The fuck is circling about it? Just tell me how much is the position paying? Don't sit there and say me circa this, circa that. If it's 69K, don't put circa 70,000. Stop fucking adding the psychological price warfare on your job descriptions. You know how they say, oh, if it's 60 quid, put 59.99, but the reverse of it. Oh, if it's 69 grand, put 70 grand, because obviously it's more appealing. No, put the value that you have assigned for the position. Stop trying to get to third base before you take me out. Oh you know what God. I mean? Oh, God. Another thing to add, actually, I've, had, I've been in a situation where they wanted to give me lower... And they said, oh, in, in six months, we'll increase it. Don't believe it. No, unless it's written in your contract. Yeah. And this is why we said from the beginning, make sure you read your contract and anything that's agreed, get it put into the contract. And if it's not, you can also have it in an email, mm. right? And you can say, okay, I will accept these as additional terms to that, what, which has been contracted, get them to agree to that. And then say, okay, right? And keep a copy of that. But unless it's in writing, do not take anyone's word for it because a lot of companies do this. And they might not do it intentionally. I think this person actually moved on. So they got kicked out of the company. So it was never going to happen because it was never in writing. But that can also happen. But that's why it's important to get it in writing. Yeah. The other thing to think about is bonuses because sometimes they will try and trick you out over your salary because they say, oh, you're going to get a bonus. And then you get the contract and you're like, okay, so there's nothing in this contract that mentions anything about bonus. They usually keep that out because then they tell you, oh, but it's discretionary. And discretionary basically means we'll give you a bonus if we feel like it. If they want you to do a salary sacrifice and add a good bonus to it. So say you've gone in and it's a £60,000 salary, but they say to you, we can give you a £55,000 salary with an up to ten to £15,000 bonus, then you can say, cool, I'm happy with that. What I do want from you, though, is A, I want it in my contract to state that it's a contracted yearly bonus of up to £15,000. Based on the company performance and my own performance. Yes, based on these metrics that's used to determine how much of the bonus I get with a minimal value allocated to the bonus, do not forget that, right? Because if you don't allocate a minimal value, then technically they can pay you zero pounds of the bonus, right? So there should be a minimum bonus and an up to with a metrics that's predetermined. What are your goals? What are your objectives? And how will it be assessed? Now, if it's qualitative assessment, then avoid it. Because again, that's susceptible to biases. Make sure that it's quantitative. That's a really good point, Chase. What about training budget? Any company that invests in their individuals or their employees to grow is definitely high up on my list. But the problem with that is that most companies that say, oh, you know, we've got allocated training budget, they don't follow through with it. They don't give you the training or they keep you so busy that when you want to do the training, they say, oh, but how are you going to stay on top of your workload? I love the idea. I'm on the fence on how many companies genuinely mean it. Agree. So I hope you enjoyed that session. That's the end of uh, job descriptions. Actually went by quite fast. I feel like there's a lot more that we can yeah, touch on. There's loads more. I think what we will do, because as part of our Gossip Pro nature is to support everyone out there, is I think we should release a buzzword cheat sheet for um, anyone to sort of download and 
and keep a record of and, and see if it if it helps them potential meanings so what we'll do is we'll stick it in the descriptions below depending on whichever platform you listen on there'll be a link available there Again, apply it to yourself mm. you see those buzzwords don't always take it as a negative if it fits in with your personality and, and what you're actually looking for then it could be a positive so always think is this what i want and then move forward at the same time maybe we'll we might actually do a secondary one which is specifically around a checklist of what to look out for when you're looking at job descriptions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that'll be a second link that we'll put in the description below. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you found that episode informative and enjoyable. To support us, hit the subscribe button below and see you next time.